Well, welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walter Show. God bless you all. Got a lot to fit in today, of course. I just want to let you know, if you want to try to reach us on podcasts, the podcasting audience continues to grow. Uh, Put in Robin Walter Show in your podcast icon, or some places, the Robin Walter Show. It will pull it up. Uh, Alternatively, you can go to rumble, rumble rumble.com forward slash user forward slash Robin Walters Show. And pop it into your favorites, I would hope. Our followers are increasing on that site, and uh, thank you, Lord, for that as we try to get out all kinds of information. I've got so much to fit in today, hard to know where to start. But as I promised, I'm going to launch with some good news. And the first one's coming out of the state of Iowa. I find this really, really intriguing. They are the Republican legislature there has introduced a measure that will end the state recognition of homosexual marriage through an amendment to the state constitution. Now, I know what you're thinking. It was the same thing I was thinking when I read the first read this, I'm sure. So, well, wait a second. The Supreme Court has spoken. It's crammed queer marriage down our throat, whether we like it or not, through the... Uh, grossly misnamed Respect for Marriage Act, which was actually Disrespect for Marriage or Respect for Sodomy Act. However, some other names were more fitting for that piece of legislation. So if the Supreme Court uh, is the uh, superior, uh, not legislation, but superior law, it is supreme. It, It overtakes state law. The federal government recognizes homosexual marriage. So technically, Iowa's amendment then crosses uh, the line, runs afoul of federal law, which takes precedence. But this is where this gets really unique. You see, why was that legislation passed, the Disrespect for Marriage Act or the Respect for Sodomy Act? Why was that passed? Because even though, notwithstanding the Supreme Court decision regarding queer marriage, the Supreme Court had also ruled on, what, abortion, 1973, and Roe v. Wade. And in the process of time when some people became more moral and common sense returned and scientific evidence emerged regarding the viability of the child and the fact that the DNA of the baby in the womb is not the DNA of the mother, destroying entirely the whole argument that it's part of the woman's body. As those things came forward, then, in the process of time, Roe v. Wade didn't say you couldn't get an abortion. It just simply said that it is not federal law, so to speak. It's not a requirement that the states honor that. So... Like with the same-sex marriage act, not act, but the, the case Obergefell by the Supreme Court is like Roe v. Wade. 
you got to you got to honor a queer marriage. But then the left, meaning the entire Democrat party, and sadly a bunch of whiny, wimpy, wussy Republicans signed on to the Respect for Marriage Act, as it's so-called, to help ensure that in case the Supreme Court decision regarding queer marriage got reversed, like Roe v. Wade got reversed, then there would be the federal law that says you got to respect queer marriage wherever and in all the states. The Iowa case is unique because what they're saying is that federal law cannot control in this area. Absent, absent a Supreme Court decision stating what the federal Constitution says, which, of course, it doesn't say, but that's what they said in Obergefell because most of the leftist lemmings on the, on the court really, I don't know, I don't think they'd recognize the Constitution in a law library. But that point aside, what this legislation in Iowa says is that the federal court, the federal courts are one thing. Congress is a different thing, and Congress has usurped the authority of the states to determine what constitutes marriage. So this legislation is being passed on the premise that if the queer marriage court case, the Obergefell by the Supreme Court, got rejected by the current or subsequent Supreme Court, then this law directly challenges the so-called respect for marriage law, and based on an abundance of precedents, Iowa will win that case. And the federal law, so to speak, will be struck down. Why isn't anybody else doing this? Because nobody else thinks that there's any possibility that the Supreme Court case on queer marriage could ever get overruled. But Iowa is staying ahead of the game. To And, and who, who gave Iowa this idea? This is pretty amazing. California. Not because California wants to prohibit queer marriage, but California wants to put it in their constitution to make sure that if Obergefell got overruled, then every, all the homosexual marriages in California would still be viable. So this is really interesting. And the fact is, in a legitimate court case, the federal government, Department of Justice, in a challenge as to the legitimacy and the constitutionality of the federal government, not the federal courts, the federal government ruling that queer marriage must be legal everywhere, it will fail because it is not the purview, the province, or within the constitutional provisions for the federal government to deal on the issues of marriage. Now, you might say, well, we had the Defense of Marriage Act. Yes, we did. And it never got challenged in a way that it could have provided for homosexual marriage. Doesn't matter, though. I mean, it wasn't recognized in the sense that a state couldn't do it because Massachusetts, Massachusetts invoked it in that state only by their Supreme Court in 2003, way, way before the Obergefell case. Okay, so you had enough law here, but this is a very interesting action by Iowa, an act that other states ought to take so that the very, very second the queer marriage statute, the queer marriage law of Obergefell imposed by 
a less than intelligent Supreme Court gets overruled by a more moral and more intelligent Supreme Court, then instantaneously the law of Iowa and other states that would join it prohibiting queer marriage and not recognizing it would, with a snap of a finger, go into effect. Very forward-thinking. In my lifetime, will it likely be overturned? No, I don't think so. But in my lifetime, there are states that will secede from the union, I think. And from there, uh, it's Katie bar the door. Hey, the next thing that... this, that was ingenious by the people of an Iowa, Iowa. This one is ingenious by the state of Florida. Uh, you know, when things get really bad, when push comes to shove and shove comes to ramming it down your throat, there comes a point where people are going to say, what the hey? What have we got to lose anymore? Let's, let's fight back. Let's push back. Let's go for it. That's what's happening in Iowa. And this piece of legislation which has not passed, but it's been introduced in Florida, is being called the Ultimate Cancel Act. This is by introduced by a legislator by the name of Blaze Ingoglia, or Ingolia, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, who's frankly just sick and tired of leftists canceling people, canceling places, things, occurrences, things that have happened for centuries. They cancel everything that they don't like because it convicts them of their sin, he has filed um, Senate Bill 1248 in Florida. Like I said, it's called the Ultimate Cancel Act. And what it says is that the bill, if passed, would take effect July 1 of this year. July 1. It says that, quote, immediately it will immediately cancel the filings of a political party to include its registration and approved status as a political party within the state if the party's platform has previously advocated for or been in support of slavery or involuntary servitude. End quote. This is ingenious. Because what this bill would do if passed, it would eliminate the Democratic Party from the entire state of Florida. Because that was the party that supported slavery. Said this is the this is the senator's attempt to cancel the cancel culture. Would it pass legislatively? I don't know. We'll find out. Would it pass uh, judicially? I don't know. That might be a tougher one. But what it does is it brings to the forefront the obvious, gross hypocrisy of the left. And so what this says is, you, you political party, you, you're throw, well, what he's saying, you, you have torn down statues of people who are good men like Robert E. Lee, but he had some slaves. So let's get rid of the whole statue because uh, 150 years ago he had slaves, 160 years ago. How did he treat them? I don't know. But the point is, anything that ever touched slavery is destroyed by way of statute, by way of st- statues, regardless of any other qualities of the individual, regardless if the individuals freed their slaves. All this does is flip it around. You political party, we're going to tear you down. You don't get to run. You don't even get to be affiliated in the state of Florida 
as a party that used to support slavery and involuntary servitude. Get out of here. Now, obviously, the Democrat Party in Florida could reorganize under some name. They wouldn't have to be the Democrats anymore. They could register under Democrat, for example. I'm just giving them a suggestion if they do this. And now they are no longer the party of slavery. But it was the, it was the Democrats. They were pro-slavery. It was the Democrats who um, fought against the, um, the 1968 Civil Rights Bill. That was passed by Republicans. It was the Democrats who supported and passed Jim Crow laws. All the thing that modern-day Democrats accuse Republicans of, they were guilty of, which is just simply one of their typical, that's their M.O. Let's simply accuse everybody else of that which we're guilty of, and since we own the media, we can say it loud enough, long enough, and consistent enough that some stupidos in the country will simply believe that it's the truth. Now, there's a risk to this. The risk is that in revenge... The Democrats could come out and in some state like California, the, the deep blue states, which I have now come to call the code blue states, they could do the same thing. They'd say, we uh, eliminate any party that has a history of opposing homosexuality or abortion. And then the Republicans are off the ballot in California, unless they reconstitute as a different party. All of which probably leads us back to which I've been saying ad nauseum for years. We are headed for secession. And I have the program prepared, the what-if program, that I'm going to start with the worst and work backwards. What if we have civil war? I'm not doing that today. I'm just saying I have that largely prepared, ready to go. But at the very least, we'll be back to the talk of secession. And, oh, my gosh, the good news just keeps on coming. Who would have ever thought this day would arrive? That Lori Beetlejuice Lightfoot loses in the election in Chicago for mayor. Now, the only reason I'm going to pay any attention to this story besides being good news. What a loser. What a liar. But the reason I'm even bringing this up is because of Beetlejuice's comments as to what she believes contributed to her loss. Because she has the unique distinction of the only Democrat in the history of the city of Chicago that lost a re-election bid. The only one. I mean, there's ones that died, ones that retired, but none that lost. So she contends that the reason that she lost, or the major reasons, are race and gender. It's the usual thing. Ah, you guys are hypocrites, white racists, white supremacy, all that usual crap, which I'm sick of. I hope that you go back and catch the program, pick it up on Rumble or one of the other uh, venues for the podcast dealing with the rise of black supremacy. Uh, I didn't even finish that program. I went a whole hour, and I had another half hour to 45 minutes I could have done. But it is this nauseating blamism 
Everybody's to blame except me, says Lori Beetlejuice here. So I decided to do some research. Now, there are a lot of zip codes in Chicago. It's a big city. So she says her loss has contributed to race and gender. There are 16 zip codes, 16 zip codes in Chicago that are 55% or more black. There are 10 zip codes. Zip codes like 50,000 people or 50 to 100,000 people, whatever. I mean, it varies. There are 10 zip codes in Chicago that are 95% or more black. So the question that obviously arises here, which uh, Lori, um, she's, um, I won't say it, because she doesn't have the intelligence to answer it. But if Chicago is somehow into racism and genderism, how did she get elected in the first place? Did people not know that she was a was a black female midget standing next to her eight foot tall kind of white I don't know Mau Mau spouse as she calls her? It's just they are a comical pair standing next to each other. Nonetheless, if Chicago is so racist and so sexist. How on earth did Beetlejuice ever get elected in the first place? She's blaming it on things that didn't exist before and don't exist now. She's just a loser. Why did she lose? Well, defund the police, crime skyrocketing. What? I don't know if you watch these statistics. I do. But on any given weekend, there'll be anywhere between 30 and 50 people are shot. In the city of Chicago. And the deaths range from anywhere from 2 to 11 or 12, 13. They're dead. People say, oh, the problems are guns, guns, guns. Hey, the guns have been around forever. They're actually harder to get now than they used to. Guns used to be extremely easy to get. Chicago is one of the supreme gun control cities, and everybody's blowing everybody's brains out. It's because we have a violent culture now. Anyway, enough of her. So, the next thing, this is sort of good, sort of, well, I don't know, kind of in between. Um, I'm not really sure what to say about this, but I commend this school in Vermont, the Mid-Vermont Christian School in White River, Vermont. They did something that, to the best of my knowledge, has not been done by any high school ever in the United States. They were in a Division Four state tournament for basketball, and uh, I don't—I don't even know who they were playing. Doesn't really matter. But the team that they are a Christian school, and they're in the tournament against a school which has a tranny on it—a tall, strong, biological male who is the enforcer, the one who rams and crams the ball down the other team's throat. He's bigger and stronger than every true woman 
on that team, this school did the most noble act. They said, we're going to forfeit. We are not going to play a game and give credence or recognition to the legitimacy of a tranny on the other other team. But citing, first and foremost, the issues of fairness, because it's not fair, you've got a, a biological male on the other team with testosterone going wild, think he's thinking he's a girl. And they said the safety they said the safety of our players. I mean you wouldn't you wouldn't send these girls into uh, a game involving NFL football players. Why have them being positioned against an extremely physical male who uh, is out to display his prowess? Wow. Hats off to you, Mid-Vermont Christian School in White River, Vermont. You are the first to ever do this. Kudos to you guys. Next story, I don't know if this is a good one. I mean, I told you in the last story, I don't know what's good or bad. It's a good story because they stood up. It's bad that you've got these trannies playing in girls' sports. This one, uh, isn't it amazing that there's no longer um, a claimed conspiracy theorism going on with where the COVID lab leak occurred? It definitely happened in the Wuhan lab. The Department of Energy has come out. We concluded that COVID-19 likely originated in the Wuhan China lab where the viruses were developed and enhanced. In other words, turning everything else that the left has said in the the mainstream media on its head. You know, Scripture says to expose the works of darkness. And there will come a time when those, those things are exposed. And You know what? Let me just run down this list. Okay. So it was supposedly true that masks were healthy and necessary to contain the pandemic. False. 157 studies have indicated the masks are functionally worthless. Lie number one. Lie number two. Joe Biden, get the vax and you won't get COVID. Absolute lie. Get the vax, and you can't pass on COVID. Absolute lie. Does the vax work? No. It absolutely does work. We are now where the more boosters you get, the greater the likelihood that you will have a debilitating case of COVID. Get the boosters, but increase immunity. Absolute lie. Boosters now decrease immunity. But some people can't let up on it because while everything else that they've said is a lie and misled the people, they've only got a few they're trying to hang on to, and one of them is that the boosters will increase immunity. No, if you go get a booster, you've just increased your chances of dying from COVID. They said that the data shows this and the data shows that. Well, first of all, they never revealed the data, so that was a lie. But the bigger lie was the data didn't show it. The data showed that the mRNA vaccine was ill-conceived, prematurely applied, not well thought out, and all suppression of all data that would indict and condemn that, that experiment was suppressed. That's why Pfizer wants to hide its data and ask the court for 75 years to release 
It's data. So, nothing, nada, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, nothing the administration or Fauci has said about COVID-19 is true. Not one thing. Not one thing. And fortunately, and fortunately, there are legal seminars that are popping up about how to sue these, get around the, the limitations in the law to sue Pfizer, sue Moderna, sue Joe Biden, sue all of his lackeys, uh, the CDC, whatever. And to me, that's all good news. Shout it from the housetops. The truth comes out. The next piece, okay, now I am into... Um, well, not into, I'm back to some additional good news. This one thrills me. Tennessee, I have lauded the state of Tennessee. Had a piece of property here once. I'm sorry I sold it. Tennessee has passed the strongest ban on youth transgender surgeries to include all hormonal treatments, all surgical treatments, castration, mastectomies, what have you. They're all outlawed for minors if it's in the uh, for the purposes of performing a transition to the alleged other gender. But they've taken it one step further. This has been signed into law. Tennessee is now the leading state because they have also banned drag queen events if children are present. Hey, do you see the split that's occurring in this country? The severance? The You know, Scripture says that for those who know the Lord, the end of the time, things will just get brighter as we come to the, to the end of the age. And the distinction between evil and righteousness, between dark and light, is going to become an increasing contrast, such so that really, other than cowardice and gutlessness, nobody will have any reason to not know which side to choose, and they'll live with that decision. You, you can see this, the states that are going one way, the states that are going another way, and I don't know if we have secession before we have civil war, I don't know, but You'll see this even on the, on the alleged Christian campuses. So we know, and we talked about last week at some length, the revival at Asbury University in Kentucky. I think it's Wilmore, Kentucky, I believe. And that's sort of a fundamentalist school. I don't know if it's a Baptist school or not, but uh, it's a fundamentalist school. It's a good school. They've had revivals there in the past. I think 1970 was the last one that occurred on that campus, kind of in the heart of the Bible Belt. They go through a generation or two, and things start to slide, and then revival comes, sort of like the nation of Israel in the book of Judges. Two generations, typically 40 years, they'd slide back into sin. Things would be terrible. They'd crawl, crawl out to God, confess their sin. God would give them a deliverer, and they were good for about another 40 years. Well, the distinction that I want to make here 
is as a another school, Union College of Barberville, Kentucky. The revival at Asbury spread to the Union College of Ar- at least the, the the initiation of it, the inklings of it. It started with just fifteen students. And it quickly grew to 150 students, and that's and this is a small college, folks. But here's what happened: the Asbury College is rooted as a as uh, is rooted in Scripture. The Union College is a Methodist university, and this is why they basically shut them down. The Union president, Marsha Hawkins released a statement a week ago, a little less than a week ago, said that the college, quote, is committed to providing a welcoming for all, regardless of religious affiliation or belief, end quote. There's nothing biblical about this school at all. Hare Krishna, Muslims, whatever, just come to this Methodist school. John Wesley would barf. John Wesley would puke. He would hurl if he saw what Union College in Kentucky had embarked upon. And therein, these issues today, right down to the revival, speak to what's light, what's dark, what's good, what's evil. Don't go away. This is Robin Walter with The Robin Walter Show. We will be right back. The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 60 years old this month. That's why I played it. 60 years old. Man. Nobody could ever understand what they were saying because it was such a lousy recording. Everybody assumed that it was um, inappropriate, that there was some uh, unpermitted sexual content to the song because the lyrics were so fuzzy. And the answer emerged a number of years later. They simply recorded it at the cheapest recording studio that they could afford, and that whole recording cost fifty bucks. <laughs> so you get you get what you pay for, and nonetheless, it still ended up as a number one hit. Okay, 
you've probably had all the good news that you could stand. So I'm going to slip in a few other things, but I'm not going to surrender the good news stories in the second half of the program here. You know, I often pick on the state of California, and it deserves it, Massachusetts, Illinois, New York. And um, I have something to share with you uh, as a piece of advice for all of our friends whom we love dearly still in California and people we've never met that are still there, something you'll need to do in the remaining months of 2023. I'll get to that shortly. But as much as I have harangued that state and New York and Massachusetts and Illinois, um, I have too often left Oregon and Washington off the hook. Not all the time. Arguably, Washington State has become maybe the worst state in the United States. Probably explains the exodus of a number of Oregonians or Oregonians. I don't know, or Washingtonians. I'm not sure what you guys call yourselves. Uh, but the exodus of a significant number going east to Idaho, some of which has not been a good uh, emigration uh, for those two states are good immigration for Idaho as it starts to become increasingly blue. Still conservative, but it's changing. But um, Washington will now have, true to George Orwell's 1984, will have their own Ministry of Truth. It's not called that, but that's in fact exactly what it is. So quoting... Um, Gosh, what is her name? Leave or Live Finney, F-I-N-N-E, of the Washington Policy Center, uh, who follows and tracks all Washington legislation. This legislation, quote, will criminalize certain forms of expression based on what members of a state commission consider to be their definition of, of domestic extremism. She says a bill will let government officials, government officials, bureaucrats, paid losers, the bill would let government officials decide whose words and whose speech would be subject to criminal prosecution. Wow. This is Nazi Germany. And get checked. And the state attorney general. This is a state general attorney, attorney general. Stated that he will increase surveillance of citizens for perceived, not even real, perceived violations of words and speech prohibitions. Do you get just how awful this is? Quote, citizens will be encouraged to report friends and neighbors to the state for officially banned phrases and expressions. This bill has already been passed by the State House Committee. And what it will do is create a 13-member commission to address incidents of domestic violent extremism except that there's one important caveat here. This commission also gets to define what constitutes domestic violent 
extremism. Well, I'll tell you what this committee could do. If they want to define domestic violent extremism, just have a group picture in front of a mirror. They can all look at what they're the ones. Attorney General Bob Ferguson has described this act as including, quote, non-criminal activities and speech, end quote. In other words, you get hauled up before this tribunal for something that's legal. He's just admitted it. We are going after, quote, non-criminal activities and speech. Now, I mean, you only have to go back to what? A year or two ago when you had the National School Boards Association who sent the request to Joey Nobrains uh, asking that uh, parents who were ticked off about what was going on in the public schools and making public comment at local school board meetings be treated as a form of domestic terrorism. There's your clue. Domestic violent ter- extremism will be anything and everything a left-wing government does not like. And I will just tell you, the state of Washington now officially sucks. Sorry, I've got listeners up there. Maybe I'm not saying you need to get out. That's that next program I was talking about, Civil War. When do you decide to leave and when do you decide to go? We'll get to that, but not today. So, quoting here, uh, promoters of the plan have cited their opposition to expressions of opinion regarding election fraud narratives, anti-mask, anti-vaccine, anti-critical race theory, and anti-LGBTQ, and anti-grooming narratives. So this doesn't this tell you what the purpose is? We hate conservatives, we hate Christians, and we are going to make your behavior, your speech, your non-criminal behavior and speech criminal because just your presence apparently convicts us of our sin and we need to get rid of you doesn't that tell you everything does the bill mention anything about BLM or the Antifa riots that caused billions of dollars of damages people who were injured places that were burned people, innocent people who actually were killed in the course of that? This is unbelievable. And do you think it will stop there? No. Some of the stupidos in California will think this is a great idea. Now, whether this could pass um, judicial muster is a whole other question. It's hard to believe that you could legally prohibit speech that's non-criminal in nature just because the left doesn't like it. We just got done showing that everything they've said about COVID-19 is false. Every single thing is false. Even the numbers about the people who died, false. Because the year of all the COVID deaths, alleged COVID deaths, we had virtually zero deaths from flu. Why? Because every flu death was called a COVID death, practically. Along with some genuinely legitimate COVID deaths, but not what they said they had. Okay, 
I had enough of that crapola. Let's get back to some good news. This uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I still think I've heard that name on a Bugs Bunny show. I don't mean that with any derogatory nature because I really like this guy. Uh, He's savvy. He's smart. He's moral, incredibly intelligent. Um, He's done something nobody else has done here. Uh, he, he, he has actually demanded, oh, maybe he, nobody, maybe nobody else has done it because the time hasn't been ripe for this to occur, but he run up to Nikki Haley and Donald Trump by stating that every Republican nominee, including those two, two need to sign an anti-woke policy pledge in order to be considered a viable candidate. Thereby encouraging, if you don't sign this anti-woke policy pledge, you're, you're a Trojan horse. You're a rhino. You're not a real Republican. You're a, you're a, a Democrat in Abraham Lincoln-esque clothing, I guess. So, Ramaswamy's pledge includes commitments this is what this guy is about. I'd find something you don't like. I can't. Ramaswamy's pledge includes commitments to end affirmative action, and it does need to end. People need to get there in their merits, not as gifts or bending and, and being uh, strong-armed into favoritism. End affirmative action. We're going to abandon the climate religion, he said. We're going to assert economic independence from China. We're going to secure the border to solve the fentanyl crisis. And oh, you got to love this. We will close down the Department of Education. But he doesn't stop there. It also calls for an eight-year term limit for f- all federal employees and for the government to publish all instances when it has pressured the private sector to take unconstitutional action. I think, like, goodness, what is there not to like? And he, uh, quoting Ramaswamy, the great Ramaswamy, sounds like kind of like a genie that comes out of the bottle. I don't need mean to take, um, say anything derogatory here. It's just I can't seem to get this Bugs Bunny thing with a swami in an old Bugs Bunny cartoon out of my head. But he says, fellow Americans, I am lucky. I grew up in Ohio in the 90s back when America still valued merit. I might have been a skinny kid with a funny last name, but my parents taught me an important lesson. If you're going to stand out, you might as well be outstanding. If I'd been born 20 years later, my story would have been impossible. For today, our nation is hungry for a cause. We want purpose. We want meaning. The woke left preys on that vacuum with a poisonous obsession with race, sexuality, and climate change. If you disagree with them, then you're a bigot, of which that is called psychological slavery. Fellow American, the best measure of the health of American democracy is the percentage of citizens who feel free to say what they actually think. I don't know. This guy, 
I, I keep looking for something wrong, and they, I, I'm not finding it there. And I certainly hope that the Republicans here don't pull, pull an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom McClintock situation in California like Tom McClintock was the real Republican. Arnold Schwarzenegger was Rhino, capital R-I-N-O. I knew Schwarzenegger would be bad. He fulfilled my every expectation. He was a horrible governor. He was a Democrat in rhino clothing, and people wouldn't vote for McClintock because they said he didn't have a real chance for winning. So let's pick the winner. Let's pick the person we think who could be the winner, even though morally and every other respect is a loser. Now, I'm not saying by any stretch of imagination Haley is a loser, although I'm not really big on her. I really don't. I Her comment about something about wait till those boys deal with my high heels or something like that. Like, oh, come on, knock it off, girl. Um, put Michelle Bachman in there, and I could be real supportive. Not Nikki Haley. Or Donald Trump. This is not a derogatory thing about Haley specifically or Trump. It's just that this guy is is ahead of them in the game. And, and Trump has only not bashed Nikki Haley because I think there's somehow a pledge between the two of them. I don't know if she's shooting to be vice president. She has no real interest in being president. And that's who he wants beside him. I don't know. I'm not sure. Hard to say. Anyway, why do we need somebody else? Well, listen to this. The American economy is rated the 25th freest economy in the world. The 25th freest. Out of 184 nations, we come in at number 25. Think, well, is that so bad? Well, this index, the Freedom Index, has been calculated now for uh, 30 years. This is the lowest on the world index the United States has ever been. Never been lower. Never have we been less free economically. And why are we less free economically? Because we are certainly less free morally. Trust me, people may say, Oh, it's the economy, stupid. The economy follows morality. The morality does not follow the economy. Never has, never will. Really great, prosperous economies finally uh, give way to indulgence and sin. Yeah, it's the fat, dumb, and happy is just fat, dumb, and happy. Frankly, righteousness is what produces economic success. It doesn't follow it. Well, what does this report blame for this this toppling of the United States economy? Government spending. The Joe Biden is a reason for our troubling debt. Now, he's not exclusive. Barack Obama was a big spender, but Republicans went along with him. Donald Trump was a big spender, and he didn't have to sign the bills that the Democrats put before him, but he did. And now we are to Joe Biden, who is the worst of the worst. Listen closely to this, and you'll see just what trouble we are in. The U.S. national debt, which is now north of $31 trillion, the interest on the debt, just the interest, just the interest exceeds 
our annual defense and military expenditures. The interest is greater than our defense budget. If we were to pay off the national debt, and it grows ridiculously every day, if we were to pay it off, what would it take? Take a guess. I want to show a hand. Somebody, no, well, it's going to take $1 million per taxpayer, per taxpayer, per taxpayer to pay off the national debt, to bring us back to square one. Is it possible? No, of course not. We're dead. We're toast. We can't pay it off. They just keep printing more and more money, which makes every dollar bill they they print worth less. The inflation is government spending and government printing of money. There is no end game to this. If you think you can just print your way out of debt, we will go down the toilet like other nations, every other nation that has attempted to do so. So how do you how do you deal with this? What can you do? Well, there's only two ways out of this. The first way, actually, is secession. And the states that leave say, look, sorry, sorry, Joe, you created the debt. You keep the debt. You pay for the debt. we got a new country, and we're going to start clean. Now, I think that will happen for other reasons anyway, keeping in mind that the secession movement, which I still plan to do a program on, Maybe I combine it with how trying to determine when and how you should leave or whether you should stay. Um, but keep in mind, that will always fail if the motive is impure. So if it's only done for economic reasons, only economic, taxation, regulatory reasons, it will fail. It has to be primarily a morally-led departure from this country. It has to be what Tennessee is doing and other states, and Iowa's doing, coming against abortion, queer this, queer that, tranny this, tranny that. In other words, those things have to all be illegal in a new country called the original United States. I think that's just my my gut sense. That's way number one. Way number two is, I'm not saying way number one is unbiblical. It can be biblical. And it can be unbiblical. There were unbiblical departures from authority in Scripture. And there were biblical secessions. That's right. Biblical secessions in government, which we will cover in another program. But there is one passage in the Old Testament that leads me to believe there is another way. My concern is I don't see how on earth it could it could happen unless things get so terrible that uh, people actually resort to the word? Well, that's certainly possible. It comes from, and we're going to close with this today, Second Chronicles chapter 25. 2 Chronicles chapter 25. And I'll set this stage. Amaziah was the king over Judah, concerned about um, uh, the fact that there's going to be a military engagement that Judah cannot win. So Amaziah goes out and he hires basically mercenaries, a hundred thousand men from out of out of Israel. Now keep in mind Judah and Israel were separate. 
Keep in mind there had been a secession. There were two, Judah and Benjamin, on one side, and the other ten tribes were Israel. But Judah is facing a military opponent concern and goes to Israel and pays for 100,000 mercenaries. So the fact of the matter is they were going to lose. Judah was going to lose. And as a prophet of God told him, you look, you're, you're going to lose this because you're doing, go out, fight a worthy battle. But you're going to fall before the enemy. God has the power to help you, and you've cast him aside. That's why you're going to fall. But then Amazon, Amaziah says to the prophet, well, what shall we do? We have paid all these men. I, you know what? It was 100,000 talents that they spent for 300,000 men. They hired 100,000. How do we pay for these guys? We, we already paid for them. What are we going to do? All this money is lost. All this money is gone. And the prophet of God said, The Lord is able to give thee this and much more. Much more. In other words, the prophet was saying, Okay, yeah, you wasted a ton of money. You got a ton of debt, uh, U.S., you have spent yourself into oblivion. You're up to your eyeballs in debt. In fact, it's it's over your eyeballs if your eyeballs were on the top of your head. Because we can't afford to pay our debts. A One million per taxpayer? Are you serious? There is no way out. We have wasted an enormous amount of money. But the prophet says here to Amaziah, God is able to give you this and more if you return to him. In other words, even though you've blown it, you have wasted it, it was improvident, it was unjudicial, it was uh, unwise, it was faithless. No faith in God. Even notwithstanding the enormity of your mistake and your lack of faith, if you will return to God, he can make it up and more. That's why I say, biblically speaking, there would be an opportunity for the national debt to not only be wiped out, but that we could actually end up with a budget surplus if we as a country turn to God as a source. Do I tend to think that would happen? No, I do not. Absolutely don't. Would I pray for it? Yes. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe God would do it. I don't see how it's possible. It seems more likely that the secession is the way to do that. And maybe the secession movement prompts a revitalization of prayer and revival necessary to people to turn to God to get out of this hole that we're in before they come and confiscate your IRA, my IRA, and every other asset that we got to pay off the national debt, which they spent protecting the borders of Ukraine while we don't even protect our own borders and give it to people who don't work and a whole bunch of wasteful, useful, and sin- useless and sinful purposes. Got it? 
there's the plan. Remember, America, you ride for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ, and sit tall on that saddle, just as tall as you can sit. Get cinched up and ride. We'll see you next week.